Welcome to Dear Prudence. I'm your Prudence, Janae Desmond Harris. Today, we'll be answering questions about coworkers who beg for baked goods, a husband who has a troubling amount of fun with his friends, and a boyfriend who said I love you way too soon, maybe. Here to help me out is the beloved, hilarious writer and podcast host, Tracy Clayton. You may know her from shows like Another Round or Pineapple Street Studios Back Issue, a podcast that reminisces on moments in pop culture's past that have shaped our present. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, before we get started, I want to go ahead and give you a chance to give one piece of unsolicited advice, which I know you have. I will give two very quickly. The first one comes from my mom and this advice she gave me when I was in like middle school, right? Because I was super, super shy and I hated giving reports and hated having to stand up in front of people and speak and stuff. And this one time I had a report to give and she was like, just volunteer to go first. Just go first, get it over with. And then when you go tomorrow and the other kids are still giving their presentations, you can just relax. And I was like, that's a dumb idea. I don't want to go first. I don't want to go at all. But then I was like, you know what, let me just do it so I can breathe again. Like I was having a panic attack in the classroom. So I did it. And I was like, wow, if you get the discomforting things out of the way first, you get to relax. Amazing. So this next piece of advice that I treasure and give strangers who have not asked me a single thing very often is from my friend and colleague and former co-worker Stacey Marie Ishmael. And that advice is that in the workplace or even out of the workplace, once somebody can fire you, they are not your friend. So keep that in your back pocket for sure, for sure. Great advice. And with that, Tracy and I will take a short break and then dive into your questions. Can't get enough Dear Prudence? Then you should definitely join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. You'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members. With your subscription, you get ad-free listening across the Slate network and unlimited reading on the Slate site, including all Dear Prudence columns, past and present. Go to slate.com forward slash prudyplus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash prudy plus. Welcome back. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and I'm here with Tracy Clayton. Let's get started with our first letter. It's titled A Little Burnt. I've been having a problem lately. I picked up baking as a hobby in 2019, and the large reason for this was just that I wanted to save money on buying baked goods for my huge sweet tooth, so I figured I might as well start making cakes and cookies for myself. And while I love the process and the end results, there were just way too many baked goods in the house for a single guy, even with a huge sweet tooth. What I would do with the remaining baked goods is give them to my friends or to my coworkers. And they absolutely loved them. In fact, my work had a baking competition one year, and I won Best Overall Baked Goods. There are over 100 employees that I work with, and I was also able to beat out my baking rival, who was classically trained. I started getting some requests for baked goods, and I would bring them in occasionally, but I began to back off from bringing so many in due to being in grad school. My friends and coworkers still clamor for my baked goods, but seeing as I don't have a full kitchen and I'm just using a countertop oven, it's a lot of work. A three-layer cake can take up to five hours between the baking process and the decorating. The problem now is that whenever I bring up my baking hobby, people are quick to demand that I bring them something. If I share a cake I've made on Instagram, I get direct messages asking when I'm going to bring some of it into work. 
One day I was talking to my two friends who were partners, and one of them asked if I had baked anything lately. When I enthusiastically talked about a cake that took me four hours to make, the other friend pulled me aside privately and said it was rude to talk about making something and not to have brought something for them to eat. Well, I felt really bad about it, and I promised I would share some next time. Thus, I began bringing my baked goods to others, but now, when I've brought something in to share, including to these friends, I get complaints. They'll complain about it being too dry or too sweet or too moist or too buttery or too high in calories. And I would understand these comments if I was charging for my goods, but these are all for free and done out of a spirit of sharing. Despite these criticisms, the same people who seem disappointed by something I made will still ask me to make something. While this hasn't dimmed my love of baking, it has dampened my zest for sharing about it. At work, if someone asks me about my hobby, I hurry them into a space by the fridge and speak in hushed tones as to not alert my other coworkers, as if they're dementors from Harry Potter. I rarely bring the topic up to my friends anymore, and I begin to feel hypervigilant when I post a pic of my baked goods on social media. How can I stave off these unsolicited comments and requests for my baked goods while still sharing in a hobby I love? The first thing that jumped out to me was the idea of being classically trained at baking. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, that's not a thing. And then I said, let me not look ignorant. So I looked it up and it is really is a thing. It? You, can, you can be a classically trained baker. Yeah. I also did not think that that was a thing. So I'm glad that you um, shared this information with me. The first thing that jumped out at me was a baking rival. But I'm just like, it's just a hobby. Right. I think that falls in line with everything in this letter being read in the most intense possible way, right? <laughs> Very much so. Very true. So, like, I think, okay, you know how if you decide to post a picture of some food on Instagram, mm-hmm. what's the first comment you're going to get from somebody? Bring me a plate. Did you make some for me? Huh, okay. I mean, someone's going to say something like that, right, right? Right, right, And I'm sort of thinking that the letter writer might be taking these comments really literally oh, I when they're see. actually just kind of friendly small talk. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So even when the letter writer says, you know, someone pulled them aside and said, hey, don't talk about cupcakes, not bring us uh-huh. any. I can imagine that actually being a situation where the person was like, you're always making cupcakes. Right. Next, I mean, you can't talk about them and not bring right. us Right, where's mine? You, you didn't bring you me any? difference in tone here? Very much right. so. That is a very astute observation because I instantly took the tone as like at face value and I was like, how dare you just like have this super secret meeting with somebody to be like, hey, friend, it's really messed up when you talk about all this delicious food and you don't bring me any. Like I thought it was like a, an intervention or something. Right. And I just I just had to ask myself, what are the chances that more than one person in this letter writer's life <laughs> is that weird and socially inappropriate <laughs> and rude <laughs> over baked goods? People like what just what are the chances? People, people will surprise you. People, people and also I will say the letter makes me um so happy not to work in an office anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh. That also I'm so glad I don't bake because I understand that it's really, right. really hard and I would lose friendships. If I'm donating out of the kindness of my heart, especially if your cake takes like five or six hours. Okay, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, right? right? So I really hope that your reading of the situation, Janae, is right. Because otherwise, I am full of rage and I'm so angry because... Okay, so let's treat it like it's serious. Okay. I'm going to take it like you said at face value. Okay. So letter writer, consider the fact that you're taking very literally mm-hmm. harmless, meaningless, small talk comments... And people like would love a cookie, but they're not really serious Mm -hmm. about like demanding them from you. But anyway, Tracy, take it away. Clearly, 
anyone who would say such a thing about some free food that someone made for you in their own kitchen with their own hands for five plus hours, the lack of gratitude and appreciation is such a red flag because how dare you person friend, right? right? Like how, how dare you? And to me, I feel like the letter writer must have a very possibly a kinder heart than I have because I'm just like this. There's Mm -hmm. no need for advice in this situation. You're not my friend anymore. Or I'm going to get petty. I'm going to cook so much stuff. I'm going to bake all of your favorite treats. Mm -hmm. Bring them to your place of business or wherever we are, our place of business and give everybody one except you. (laughs) That's what I would do. I would take a very exact head count of everybody in the office. I'm passing them out. Everybody has one. Oh, no, friend. I'm all out. I'm sorry. Right. Unfortunately, you don't. You've made these comments about my baking. Right. That it's too buttery, too sweet. So I just decided to leave you out mm-hmm. of the head count. I just didn't want to. Didn't want to stress you out with my um my terrible <laughs> my terrible baking. <laughs> like what? I also had a line to answer the specific question. How can I stave off these unsolicited comments mm-hmm. and requests for my baked goods while still sharing in a hobby I love? Um. You can't save them off. People say whatever they want. Mm-hmm. People are out of control. People are rude. People are mean. Right. People have no boundaries. People write weird stuff on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to stop it. But the response I came up with is, actually, it's really more of a small personal hobby than a catering service. Ooh, that is Period. good. And then just, just sit there and just let it sink in. Just let it know? hang in the air. Yeah, I don't work for you. Uh-huh. I don't take orders from you. Right. Um, yeah, even like I, I, I don't take orders. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Unless you're you know, going to pay. I'm not able to accommodate requests. Right? Unless oh, yeah, you're going to you pay. And I think that's what I would do too. Oh, I'm happy to make custom baked goods for you, coworker. Here's my price yeah. list. You know, like if you want to put something that's in on it, idea. happy to. Otherwise, maybe just enjoy this dry muffin or whatever it is. It's making you so mad. <laughs> and chill out. <laughs> that's such a good idea. It's like how they... They always say when people reach out to you for professional advice, that is sort of what you do for a living. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to like have a website that you refer them to right. and say, sure, here are my rates. Indeed. So I love the idea of this person having a menu and prices yeah. and saying, you know, let me know what you'd like and I'll invoice you. Mm-hmm. And if you would like something a little less sweet or a little sweeter, happy to do it. Just let me know. It's part of the service that yeah. you're paying for. Unfortunately, no modifications are available. Right. And, you know, I... The, the local grocery store has a really serviceable bakery if you want to mm-hmm. go somewhere. Yeah. Else, that'd be fine. We can Google some other bakeries together, maybe. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, these are good options. Yes. Um, but honestly, I think maybe maybe take the demands and the critiques with like a couple of grains yeah. of less seriousness. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of how like, you know, if you ever go out to eat with your parents and they get their dessert, they're going to be like, it's too much. Oh, my God, it's so rich. It's too sweet. Oh, I can't. Right. I sort of think that's the lane that a lot of these critiques are uh-huh. in. But I hope so. What a writer. You know better than we yeah. do. Um, so I hope that was helpful. Our next question is titled, I'm not his mom. Oh, Lord. I should really be too old and married too long to care, but I need your advice. My husband has a very close, well, sort of, group of friends from high school. They like to think their friendship is modeled on the one in The Big Chill. Every high school reunion year or so, they travel together, 
He is close to the men in the group, but the women he only sees on these trips, and they exchange birthday greetings. The first trip actually happened about 15 years ago, and they all stayed at our home. Three guys and two women without spouses, except I was there cooking and cleaning for them. I hated the experience and said I would never subject myself to it again. One of the women was my husband's first love, and she's frankly still beautiful and a narcissist. He doesn't see how his jocular friendship stokes her infinite need for the male gaze. And while I know she is not interested in him, she loves having an adoring court. About five years ago, his gang went to wine country without spouses and drank and partied. He still talks about that trip all the time and fondly remembers the great wines he enjoyed. Also note, with me, he now drinks not at all and never enjoys going out to eat because he is always watching his weight and health. Before going on the trip this time, he asked me if I was okay with it. He said he wouldn't go if I said no, but I am not his mom. This is something he needs to decide and prioritize or not without my approval, though he knows what I think of the narcissist woman. Anyhow, he went, they're having a great time, and I feel angry. He resents that I am angry, claiming that I could have told him not to go. I have told him there is no woman cool enough to be okay with his spending happy, happy, memorable time with another former love slash crush. It's like Gone Girl, and we know how that wife actually felt, don't we? I see this whole equation as wrong on so many levels. It's not my job to tell him what he's allowed to do, and sure, I trust him, but I don't want to be in a marriage where my husband has more fun when he travels with his first love than when he spends time with me. Inevitably, in a family, there are always stressors that one doesn't have with old buddies. Of course, I try to make his full life possible, and of course, he appreciates that, but I want to be there for the fun, the abandon, the laughter, the secrets, the drinking too much, etc. By the way, I do not have a parallel male friendship. I cut ties with all of my old boyfriends and crushes. I didn't need them anymore. What do you think of this situation? I'm trying to figure out, do you think her husband was wrong for going? I do not think he was wrong for going. Mm-hmm. I, um, this is, this is weird for me because I've been in her position, you know, I like, I, I know mm-hmm. what it feels like to be threatened by another woman, which is what we're listening to mm-hmm. going on in this letter. Um, but also though, you had an opportunity to voice your opinion and be honest about what it is that you're feeling, what it is that you want and what right. it is you expect. He's not a mind reader, you know? So it's unfair to not be forthcoming with your partner and then get upset at them for not honoring how you feel if they don't know how you feel. You know what I mean? I do right. think that maybe he could have been a little more aware of how the mm-hmm. situation looks. Maybe. I mean, he knows the wife better than I do obviously (laughs) yeah you know so I mean was he wrong no could he have done things better could he have gone a little an extra mile and trying to make her feel more included or more something probably probably but she should have said something I also feel like he maybe couldn't really win here Mm. like because she feels threatened by this other woman and it seems like she feels like their relationship doesn't have a lot of fun Mm -hmm. Even if he decided to stay home. Right. I think that complaint might apply some other way. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. 
my husband stayed home and didn't go on the trip, but we didn't have a great time together. Or right. He seems bored. Or he's mad or... at me because his friends are out having fun. Yeah, and he's not. exactly. Mm-hmm. I just think the whole, um, and I've been here before too, mm-hmm. the whole situation of, I don't want my partner to do this thing, but I also don't want to be the one to tell right, him not to do this right. thing. Because then I'll feel like a bitch. Right. Is such a terrible but really common relationship place. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of, I want my husband to get me this gift, but I don't want to ask for it because if I had to ask for it, then it would completely ruin it. Right. And it's just like, it just really feels like a no-win situation. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I also, I I don't like that they don't have fun when they're together. Like, why y'all don't you going out, you know, having little date nights and stuff here and there? Like, I, I would definitely feel aggrieved if, like, I'm just at home not having fun all the time and you at least get to go and have fun with other people. I would feel a way about that. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how yeah. how a partner would not be able to pick up on that or understand how that can make someone feel. Right. You know? right. And so I wonder, why did she stop going on these trips? I understand mm. that when she hosted everyone and she was doing the cooking and cleaning, that was not a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But that was 15 years ago. True. True. I'm guessing we've had like minimum three trips since uh-huh. then. I would just ask her what's getting in the way of you going uh-huh. and trying to get a piece of this time mm-hmm. when your husband is having fun. And honestly, if you feel the need to, like, distract him mm. from this woman. Or like, walk out so in some lingerie, girl. Yes. Just come out in some yeah. pasties and some whipped cream and be like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, something. Right. Yeah. And even, like, as far as hanging out with his first love. Uh-huh. I don't think it's clear from the letter. Is it a problem that she's his first love? Mm. Is it that she's beautiful? Or is it that she enjoys his attention too much? I think it's all three. Yeah, I don't see any concerns about actual infidelity. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's all about feelings. Exactly. It's all about like people having too many good uh-huh, feelings. Uh-huh. And like with first loves, like I feel like there's always like this, this height or this area of feeling or emotion or like part of someone's heart that you just won't be able to access because this is something that happened before you were around. You know, this is when we become different people. Every time we're in one relationship when we get older. And I do feel like it's it's threatening to be like, you know, like, oh, he's laughing real hard at her jokes. Am I not that funny? You right. know what I mean? Like, he never tells me I'm that cute. What's, what is it? And then what it becomes is not so much what is it that she has is what is it that I don't have? And then it's all internal. And then the self-loathing comes out, or at least with me, is <laughs> how it happens. So it's complicated. Can I ask you, you said you've been in a similar situation. How did you handle it? Or maybe you could say, how do you wish you handled it? Hmm, how I wish I would have handled it. I will. I'm going to choose this, this um, mm-hmm. question. I wish that I would have been more forthcoming. Um, but I mean, this is when I was a lot younger and I didn't understand, you know, how to communicate well. And I, too, was very much in the, you know, I want to be the best, most perfect girlfriend in the world for this partner mm-hmm. so that he'll always stay here. But unfortunately, and something that I learned in therapy is that perfect relationships don't exist. And there's always some give and take. And it's OK to need something from your partner and to advocate for that. Um, mm-hmm. That's not what I did. <laughs> I'm not going to go into details. <laughs> I didn't do that and we're no longer together. So turns out being able to communicate well is really important to a healthy relationship. (laughs) I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting because here she doesn't want to communicate it because that would make her feel like a jerk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead, she's 
just feeling like a jerk privately. Right. And she's suffering. Um, still not winning. Right. right. So it's not getting, it's like, she's not talking about it because she thinks it would make her feel like a jerk and that would make her unhappy. Mm-hmm. But instead she's just choosing a different route. to Right. She's unhappy either way. So the options are he's on this trip. You're going to have to live with it. Mm-hmm. Um, when the next trip comes around, the options are tell him not to go because you don't feel comfortable with it. Tell him to go ahead and go and then keep being mad at home privately or go with him next time mm-hmm. and insert yourself in the fun. I feel like are those I like that much one. options on the table. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely team number three. I think she should just push past the discomfort of being around the beautiful ex. Mm-hmm. And it might not be as intense and as troubling right. as she's made it in her mind when she's actually there. Yeah. You know, yeah, we do catastrophize things yeah. a lot. So that's very possible. Yeah. And think of it from the the ex's perspective. She might be saying, oh, man, this is my ex. And now he's happily married to this amazing fun mm-hmm. woman. You know, mm-hmm. but she could be jealous of you. Very true. Um, it's all about perspective. Together, mm-hmm. You know, they have everything. So I guess on top of that, I think the key line in the letter is, I don't want to be in a marriage where my husband has more fun when he travels with his first love than when he spends time with mm-hmm. me. So regardless of whether you go letter writer I think it's pretty obvious, and Tracy alluded to this in the beginning of our response, it seems like your life needs a little more fun. Mm -hmm. And I get that you probably have all the domestic responsibilities and like work and probably kids, and you can't just like snap your fingers and make fun happen. But all the energy you're putting toward worrying about this woman and worrying about what he's doing, take like 25% of that. And put it toward telling him that you want to create like some moments of enjoyment and fun um, and laughing and just enjoying each other and drinking wine and everything else in your own life together. Mm -hmm. Date nights. Once a week, bi-weekly. Yeah, that's basic. But date night. night. Also, it does sound like a little bit of self-love and self-esteem work could be helpful Mm. here. You know, like the one of the problems is her feeling threatened by this other woman and uh, which is normal, which is natural, like even completely well-balanced people will feel that from time to time. But if it's coming to the point where it could cause problems in your relationship or like in the marriage or something, then it's like, okay, I need to look inward here and figure out what it is Mm -hmm. that this situation is making me feel about myself. And what do I do about that? Um, Therapy. I would also like to suggest therapy. If nothing else, either together or separately, whatever it helps. Yeah. And get, get him on board too. You know, like I always say, I don't think you should have to be full of self-love and fully mm-hmm. healed to get to enjoy a successful relationship. Yeah. So if you have some self-esteem issues or some sense of inadequacy, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You still deserve a happy marriage and you can recruit your husband mm-hmm. who's supposed to be on your team. And it doesn't sound like he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like I need reassurance. I need you to help me feel better about this. But yeah. it takes some vulnerability to say that instead of being like, fine, go. I'm not telling you not Yeah. To. And then being mad. Right. That was good. You um, should do this for a living. You can't, you can't feel a lot worse than you feel right now. So, right. you know, get this guy on board and do some work on it before the next trip. Yeah. You're listening to The Dear Prudence Show. When we come back, we'll be reading more of your letters. Stay with us. I'm Janae, and you're listening to Dear Prudence. Tracy and I are about to tackle our last question for the day. Ready, Tracy? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) This letter is titled, Too Early for Love. 
When do you think it's too early for someone to say, I love you? I started working with Dave in February. I'm a consultant and my position was always supposed to be temporary, remote, job with some travel. Dave also traveled a lot, and while we worked together, a small amount remotely, we didn't meet in person until April and didn't have any social encounters outside of work until May. In June, he asked me out on what I thought might be a date. We traveled a lot over the summer, and he kept asking me out every couple weeks, but nothing came of it. My contract was up at the end of July. He asked me out after that and finally professed his feelings for me. We have been dating for almost a month, and he told me he loved me yesterday. I have strong feelings for him, but this seems so early to me. We've only been officially dating for a month. When I asked why he didn't try to start a relationship sooner, he said it was tricky because we worked together and he knew he was going to be traveling a lot over the summer. He said he wanted to get to know me, but without causing the trouble that can come up when coworkers date. So for him, maybe we've been dating for three months, but I thought we had only been dating for one. Should I cut him some slack given our history? I've dated some narcissists in the past who have told me they loved me way too early, and I always thought that was a red flag. But now, I'm not sure. What do you think? I don't know how this hit you, but my eyes glazed over <laughs> reading all the calculations <laughs> and the details. Uh-huh. And <laughs> the only thing I wrote down in my notes for this one was, if you have to say all this, <laughs> That is smart. Like all of the explaining, like at some point it's just like, all right, there's a lot that's going on here. Um, I agree. I agree. I feel very strongly with all of my heart and soul that this is a no. And I will tell you, letter writer, that it's likely because I'm a very anxious person who watches way too much true crime and like abnormal psychology Mm -hmm. documentaries. And so one thing that I do know about terrible relationships with like narcissists and like Uh scammers, like romance scammers and all that other stuff, the angle is to hook you quick. So anybody Mm. who is ready. (laughs) You're speaking like such an expert. I'm telling you. (laughs) I have a YouTube university degree in all of this stuff. All of it. She's snapping her fingers. I mean it. I wish you could see me gesticulating wildly in my little booth. I'm about to fly out of my chair. I'm just so, I'm just like, run, girl, run. Run, get some help. So when someone is going to abuse or kill you, the angle is to hook you. Yes, yes. Ten times, well, nine times out of ten. I'm going to say ten times out of ten because, again, I am not a professional. I know that it does sound like it, but it is a common factor in like all of these criminal cases that I watch and read about and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. They they want to hurry up and get to the scamming part. So, you know, like all of these stories that you hear about, oh, when I first met him, he was perfect. He was a gentleman. It was a love story. And then we got married and it all changed. And I'm just like, what? How? You know? So you think this is I know you watched the the Tinder swindler. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This could be the co-worker swindler. I'm just saying, keep an eye out. And also, trust your gut. I'm working on trying to learn how to trust my gut because I get myself into so many situations. I'm just like, why would I ever listen to me again? And I think that Mm -hmm. when stuff happens to us like that, like trauma and stuff, we start to doubt ourselves. But no, your gut knows. And then, and then what really got me is at the end, she was like, I've dated some narcissists before. It was a red flag letter writer. If it was a red flag then, it is a red flag now. Uh-huh. Gather your belongings and your shoes and tell Dave to go swindle somebody else is what I would say. Okay, I like that angle on it because 
I don't think I took seriously enough the potential narcissist, mm-hmm. abuser, scammer concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're real. Yes. And I respect your, your true crime expertise. I have a little <laughs> myself. So yes. Thanks for bringing that Indeed. up. Um, Indeed. I was more like... Have you ever heard someone, one of your friends, meet <laughs> the love of their life and describe the situation as, I have strong feelings for him? Uh-huh. I mean, that's not how you say I have. I have strong <laughs> feelings. Like, I mean, you don't. You don't have. If you really like this guy, you would be much. You uh-huh. would be effusive. You wouldn't be. You wouldn't True. be saying strong feelings. That sounds so stilted. It sounds so professional, like something you would say about a coworker. <laughs> right or like, yeah, I have strong feelings about data analytics. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> um, right. I just. I guess I was going more off of like is there potential with this guy mm-hmm. and whether or not he's a scammer a narcissist or the Tinder swindler. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the letter writer really, really likes him that much. Mm, again, go with your gut. I'm just not getting that in the beginning of a relationship. See, there are people who love bomb each other very mm-hmm. early. And what they say is not, Oh my God, is it too soon? Are we moving too fast? Mm-hmm. They say, I know this sounds crazy, mm. but we had a whirlwind romance. Right. And they're both on board. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's not one person dragging the other person along to I love good you. Point. Very um, good point. Like I just saw some article about these two guys who got married at a major like public same sex marriage ceremony mm. in like twenty ten. They were both there as observers. And when the mass vows were taking place, mm-hmm. one of them just looked to the other one and said, do you want to get married? Wow. And they got married. Wow. And all these years later, Aww. they're happily together. So there are stories of people moving way too fast. Yes, that is true. But I think the sign that it's going to work is nobody is going, oh, my God, <laughs> is this moving way too fast? Right. I'm scared. Right. You That's know? a good point. That's a very good point. Respectfully. Get out of there. <laughs> don't end up on Tracy's Netflix. Don't queue. don't be the next <laughs> one. Oh, you <laughs> <laughs> and also don't end up wasting a bunch of time with someone who you actually don't like that. Yeah, much. exactly. Um, also, just because somebody is in love with you doesn't mean that you have to be in love with them. Like you're still allowed to take your exactly. time and wait for the feelings to come. And if they don't, like Janae said, it's all right. Get out of there. Exactly. Okay, those are all the questions we have for this week. It's been fun and hopefully helpful. Tracy, thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Good luck, everybody. (laughs) You're going to need good luck after some more. I'm going to pray for (laughs) y'all. Tracy's podcast back issue is on a break, but you should listen and catch up on the past three seasons. You can also follow her on Instagram and Twitter at McPoverty. Do you need help getting along with partners, relatives, coworkers, and people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy. That's slate.com forward slash P-R-U-D-I-E. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday. If you'd like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we're looking for letter writers who would be comfortable recording their questions for the show, and you can stay anonymous, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Prudence is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks with a special thanks to Maura Curry. Editorial help from Paola de Verona. Daisy Rosario is senior supervising producer. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. I'm your Dear Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>